The Free Vision app is where you'll find a growing range of on-demand audio and video to help you look to God daily. Search Vision Christian Media in your app store. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Today, authors Jay and Catherine Wolfe speak with Pastor Greg Laurie about the wonderful abilities given Catherine by her disability. I think of my actual physical wheelchair as being quite the opposite of what the world would say. The world would say, I'm wheelchair bound, bound to the wheelchair. But I believe that is so ludicrous that actually I'm wheelchair free. Wow. The wheelchair takes me to do my life. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Glad you joined us today on A New Beginning. We have some very special guests with us on the program today. Pastor Greg Laurie and his wife Kathy are both here, and with us again are Catherine and Jay Wolf. Now, the Wolfs have authored a new book called Suffer Strong. It's a book filled with hope, hope in the midst of crisis and tragedy. It's their journey of following a near fatal brainstem stroke that Catherine suffered a number of years ago, and her disability has changed their lives in some pretty dramatic ways. It's over to Pastor Greg. Scripture that's often quoted at a time like this, and maybe without full comprehension, is Romans 8.28 that says, We know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. And I think sometimes we think that means that a bad thing will suddenly turn into a good thing. But in reality, bad things happen to Christians that always were bad things. Hmm. Like, for instance, 11 years ago, our son Christopher died in an automobile accident. I'll never regard that. Catherine and Jay is a good thing. But what I would say, though, is a good God has brought good things despite a really bad thing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and I think also when we get to heaven, I wonder if we will not rethink the word good, because (laughs) that which was perceived as bad on planet Earth will actually be looked at as good from an eternal perspective because of what it produced in our life. And Jay, I love one of your... you're you're stealing all my material here. You're stealing (laughs) all my material. Catherine, jumping at the bed to jump in. And let you speak then, Catherine. Yes, yes, all the yeses. Exactly, (laughs) amen. So, so many important thoughts about that. First of all, Romans 8.28 is totally true, and it goes on to say things that are totally true, because God's love is not attached to anything in our physical world. And mm. Isaiah 45, 3 says, I will give you hidden treasure in the mm-hmm. darkness, yes. riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am God, the God of Israel, the God who summoned you by name. And the beautiful thought in our nightmares and in the darkness mm. is that there is treasure there. Mm. And when you have to go to the darkness, we get to be treasure bearers for the rest of our lives. And mm. that can be extremely cold comfort when you have a child die or you have a massive stroke or in any of our horrific nightmares. But the thought of God selecting us and giving us a treasure is a comfort for sure. So Richard Baker? Yeah, I, I would say I went on a journey 
probably eight years ago to understand the goodness of God and reconcile some of that junk that I've always believed in light of what happened to me. Mm. I, I shouldn't say junk in a negative way. Just things that people would say to me that Mm -hmm. are putting Jesus band-aids on bullet wounds and things that really could only be classified as like a Christian cliche Mm -hmm. that was almost meaningless and very painful, in fact. Mm -hmm. And what I have found is that the word good is totally um, defined wrongly in our world, that true goodness, says Sir Richard Baker, a theologian from the 1600s, that true goodness can never be withheld from us. Psalm 8411 is true because the truly good things of God are not things at all. The truly good, best things are peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Spirit, the fruition of his presence in this life, and the assurance of his face in the next. And those things are not things the world can touch. No matter what's going on in our broken lives, the untouchable things inside of us are the truly good ones that cannot be withheld. Uh, Catherine, uh, in the book, Suffer Strong, you explain what you call invisible wheelchairs. Yes. You point out we all have invisible wheelchairs. Absolutely. Uh, Explain that. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I think, you know, I'm the one who's sitting in the external wheelchair that you see, but everybody has wheelchairs. You just don't always see them. We all have tremendous limitations in life, and whether or not they're on the inside or the outside, we've all got stuff. We've got baggage. We've got a lot of um, hurt, memories that are painful, things we've done, things that have been done to us. Very much in in this day and age, I think there is a growing awareness of mental health and all the things that maybe you don't have an external wheelchair, but Mm -hmm. you've got some serious anxiety, depression, eating disorders, um, all kinds of different stuff you don't see. And it's, um, it's so powerful to see all of these various types of limitations as being actually, I believe, avenues toward freedom. Mm. You know, I I think of my actual physical wheelchair as being quite the opposite of what the world would say. The world would say, I'm wheelchair bound. I'm wheelchair bound, bound to the wheelchair. But I believe that is so ludicrous mm. that actually I'm wheelchair free. Wow. The wheelchair frees me to do my life. The wheelchair frees me to go where I want to go. It's the avenue to my freedom. The wheelchair takes me to do my life. So Mm. actually, that tremendous limitation of a chair that I sit in actually is um, helping me be free. Mm. And that is true, I believe, in all of our stories. But I think if we... Don't do what most of the world does, and I don't mean the world, most of the Western world at least does when suffering comes, Mm -hmm. which is turn off our rain. But instead, especially as Christ followers, really turn on the brain and start to recognize Mm -hmm. like, oh, wait, I need to put the pieces together here, what God is doing in my story, and just deeply ponder, recognize, wake up to like, all the ways God does at work, then I think we can creatively move forward and say, 
hey, just like I do with my wheelchair. Like, oh, wait, what the world would say is blank is actually blank. And here's why. I refuse to believe the lie that this all means nothing. It's just like this bizarre, or that God like cursed me or something stupid. But instead, like God chose me for this. He has assigned my life to me. And he, he is up to something powerful that yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, we wait eagerly for you, for your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. That's Isaiah 26, 8, I think. And I I love this thought that for his name and fame, and we will consider all happenings on earth to us a part of the story he's writing. I think one of the most um, wonderful things um, that you guys are doing and providing for the rest of us is you are like um, seasoned guides along the path, Mm -hmm. you are um, showing us a way through. And I know that 11 years ago when when Christopher died, um, everything's come crashing down, and I felt like I had written in chalk on a blackboard my dreams of what Christopher's life was like and our grandchildren that he was bringing into this world. And and all of a sudden, God took this giant eraser, and he just just wiped the blackboard. Mm. And I, I felt at sea... Had it not been for people like yourself and for the Word of God and for the saints that have suffered before me, if we open our eyes in the Scriptures, like to Joseph and others who have suffered, there are so many, but we mm-hmm. tend to just sort of focus on the the good parts and the, mm-hmm. the triumphant parts and the happy endings and the perfect stories, and we overlook these until we're in that place. And what I love about your book is that— um, You've gone through something that um, few of us have ever been through and most likely will never go through, but it's been deep. And like you say, those treasures in darkness that you've discovered, you are like the seasoned guides that are taking us through this country that is uncharted for us. And many of us feel afraid, and it's wonderful to have you there. Mm. Thank you for writing this book. Thank you so much for showing us um, how to suffer strong, because sooner or later, at some degree and at some points, we're going to suffer. It's just we live in a fallen world. It's inevitable. Mm -hmm. And thank you for being such bright lights. You know, Mm. thank you. Right back at you. You know, they say one day you will tell your story of overcoming and it will be someone else's survival guide. Mm. And I think that is so powerful. And I completely agree, Kathy. When this happened, we read every book Johnny Erickson Tata had mm-hmm. ever written. We we reached back to Corey Tinboom and read yes. everything always and called on the stories and the voices that we needed to inform our yes. thinking. And also we added to that library because right. there wasn't a whole lot that was helpful and, and specific. And, um, you know, it felt like we were very alone. And I think that is part of what the enemy does in our suffering, to say nobody would get it and isolate you and make you feel like there is no way forward and there is no hope and there is no new beginning. And so I think it's vital that any of us find this narrative of God in our pain and talk about it and tell it. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, God will connect the dots with just who needs Mm -hmm. to hear it. And so that's been such a humbling part of our journey. And it's not also one directional. I mean, when we go out and get to share our story or what we've learned, it reminds us that it is true, and it makes us want to yes. live into it even more deeply. So Very it's true. such a powerful cycle. 
we're, we're a good team too. Catherine and I love that we get to do this together. It's not without great sacrifice and it's not without a cost and even a target on our back. So, um, just a side note, we'd appreciate your prayers because it's, um, yeah, it's challenging. And yet we love this second chance of life that we've been given and we don't want to waste it. And Catherine often says, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And I feel like our our marriage and our, both of us, we're still here, you know, against all odds, frankly. And we celebrate our 15th anniversary last fall. And, you know, I think it's a miracle of any any anniversary. Uh, and we're, we're kind of embodying that. So we're trying to keep on going as long as God will let us do it. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. And he's discussing the concepts of suffering and strength. Let's continue with Pastor Greg and his wife, Kathy, together with authors Catherine and Jay Wolf. Catherine, you made a statement a little bit earlier where you said that People were giving you Jesus band-aids on bullet wounds, and they were Christian cliches. And I'm thinking about after our son died in an automobile accident, the crazy things people said, I think, wanting to help us, but they were actually unhelpful. One person said, hey, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. And uh, another person said, well, you know, God must have needed another angel in heaven. Mm-hmm. These crazy things. And right. and and so yeah. tell me, Catherine, after you had your stroke, what what kind of uh, Jesus, in quote, band-aids were being put on your bullet wounds? And what oh. things did people say that were maybe not helpful, even hurtful? And maybe what were some things that were said to you that were helpful? And then ultimately, what should we say to yeah. someone who has suffered greatly when we don't know what to say. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. Number one, I've thought a ton about this. I'm so glad you asked, Greg, <laughs> because people have said all the weird things, all the worst <laughs> things. Um, what stands out as the top of the list? What would you say? Um, well, I mean, again, you know, using kind of a, a, a verse out of context and just right. slapping sort of a, again, that's great truth. That's that's going to be needed in your journey of healing. But timing is everything right. in the I grieving would, process. Don't just sure slap that ti- on somebody. Timing, timing, I mean, timing, you know, yes. somebody said you used to be so beautiful to you. Right, yeah. You know, somebody, just sort of somebody thoughtless. Said, They're trying to fill the awkward silence will, or something. I'm so mad at Satan because you used to be so beautiful. <laughs> that was a special one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, me too, dude. Thanks. <laughs> um, but what we have actually seen that we feel like really should be how Christians move forward and talking to people in the middle of suffering and grief is to pray and cry and be present, but don't talk so much. Like, less words are the best words. Like, let God do His healing work, and you show up and are with people deeply. There is a powerful ministry of tears that Mm. happens, a powerful Mm. ministry Mm -hmm. of presence, much more than trying to act like you can fix the problems here. One Mm -hmm. one interesting... um, and practical tip, because again, here's the deal. Even us, having been through this, probably you all too, you find yourself guilty of when somebody, you know, you know is going through a horrible time asking, how are you doing? Like, it's just a natural mm-hmm. thing. It just comes out. And then you want to slap yourself in the face. Like, mm-hmm. I know they're not doing great. Why don't mm-hmm. I ask that? You know, it's yeah, stupid. Right. Right. But um, Cheryl Sandberg, who's at Facebook, had this book. And it just this thought really captured me. Sometimes that, that phrase will come out, how are you doing? And she recommends saying, how are you doing today? Because, you know, there's all this regrets Mm. from the past and fears for the future that swirl around that question of how are you? 
what are you going to do in this life with your tragedy? And, and yet saying, how are you doing today? is kind of a quick save. So I love mm-hmm. that really practically to say it, it shrinks it down to the yeah, moment. How are you yeah. doing today? Can I? Mm-hmm. What can I do to, to walk through this day with you and be helpful to you? So, you know, the grieving um, process is, is all over the place. It doesn't fit in a box. It's not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. And yet, like Catherine said, um, showing up and just um, having people know in their tragedy when they've been upended, when the bottom has fallen out, that they're not alone. Amen. That they're that they're gonna uh, our, our community for me because I was you know in the waiting room I was the one sort of um, sort of carrying the weight of this in that season yeah. and trying to maintain hope against all odds that Catherine was gonna have a life again and and trying to care for our child and think through all the medical issues and insurance and blah 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 mm. and um, you know I think our church community which we we have plugged into and given our life to the local church which I can't. Uh, um, encourage that enough. We were 22, and it would have been really easy to move to this new city of LA, and we're doing law school and entertainment industry, and just not really have time, or think, oh, we'll do that later when we have kids. And for some reason, I think it was just the Lord, we jumped in with both feet into our church, and we were the heads of the Young Marriage Group, which was kind of weird, because we were 22 and had no business (laughs) teaching anybody about marriage after six months of being married, but it prepared us for what God had prepared for us ahead. And um, when we needed it the most, the body of Christ does what the body of Christ does best, which is make the invisible God become visible. And, you know, our our community said, look, we will hope for you until you can hope for yourself again. Mm. And that's what they did. Yeah. Beautiful. I think that's something that is so important. You know, people have asked me, how do you get through a hardship? For us, dealing with our son, going to be with the Lord, I thought of three things. It was number one, prayer. Because it's like, Catherine, you were talking earlier about those nightmares. It's so hard to get to sleep. You're filled with worry and anxiety. So it just was pray. Uh, You know, as Philippians says, Paul tells us, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ. Number two, it was the Word of God. You know, just what Scripture says, sometimes even quoting Scripture out loud to myself when I engage in what I might call stinking thinking, you know, thinking that's not biblical, thinking thoughts of despair and hopelessness and saying, listen, Greg, the Bible says, and I've quoted Scripture out loud to myself, even rebuking myself. You're Mm -hmm. wrong on that. Here's what the Bible says. And the third thing, and you hit on this, Jay, so beautifully, is the church. Mm -hmm. You know, the church, yes, it has its flaws. But my goodness, the Lord, you know, he Jesus only started one organization when he walked this planet, and it's called the church. And mm-hmm. and the way you are doing it, being in a small group, uh, mentoring, being mentored, those are all the things I would have told you to do, and you're doing them and have done them. And that's what I would say to other folks. You don't have to do life alone. There's a loving church near you that can help you and can be a family for you. And as Jay, you said, Mm -hmm. uh, they'll hope for you until you can hope again. Wow, what a statement. Yeah, beautiful. I love uh, the fact that it says on uh, the subtitle is how to survive anything by redefining everything. And I think of this book really is a survival guide. Mm -hmm. And it's a training manual, not only for those who are currently suffering, but for those who will certainly, as we all will in this life, suffer at some point. Mm -hmm. And it would be good for us to learn ahead of time. Uh, Maybe we won't experience Mm -hmm. it like you did, but we can certainly read and learn and 
I, I think it's so important for us as believers. You may think, oh, this would be a great book to give to someone who is suffering. Actually, it would be a great book for you to read right now before you suffer. <laughs> yeah. Because right. it's not if, it's when. And when True. that happens, you want to have in place in your life the support systems and the, the correct thinking, which I think is really important in this book is how you talk about you, you take control of your thought life mm-hmm. and, right. um, and get these things in your head, at least conceptually, so that when it happens, you're going, okay, I think this is what's going on. And this, and you'll, they'll have the tools ready. So thank you for writing this mm-hmm. book. And thank you for speaking for all of those out there who have suffered and have come through the other side and have a story to tell. And we can sit and learn that community um, that we have within our small groups and within our churches, hopefully, is a diverse enough community that will include those who have gone through suffering or who are suffering. We don't want to just live this happy, perfect Instagram life, because that's not real life. But we really need those face-to-face connections, and you guys have written so beautifully and transparently about it. Thank you for that. Thank you, Kathy. So you've just been listening to Kathy Laurie uh, share her thoughts about this great new book by our guests called Suffer Strong. Their names are Catherine and Jay Wolf, and uh, they've come through a time of great difficulty. Uh, Some would say Catherine is wheelchair-bound, but Catherine says she's wheelchair-free. How can she say such a thing? Well, she talks about it in this book that is subtitled, How to Survive Anything by Redefining Everything. And we want to offer this amazing new book to anyone for your gift of any size so we can continue on to teach God's Word and to feature guests like Catherine and Jay and also to proclaim the gospel, which is really the only hope. Because here's the bottom line. Whatever suffering we're going through today— a hundred years from now, we'll, it's kind of a more of a thought, we'll all be dead. But if we put our trust in Christ, we'll be in heaven. And when it's really all said and done, are you ready for eternity? And uh, that is why we do what we do. And, and I know that really motivates Catherine and Jay as well. So I think this book, Suffer Strong, is really going to be a great message of hope and encouragement and it will also help you to redefine what you're going through. Yes, that's right. It's such a solid source of biblical help and encouragement. Pastor Greg Laurie with important insights on finding hope in the midst of crisis and tragedy. Well, tomorrow, Pastor Greg launches a series examining true heroes. Our culture needs more heroic role models, and we'll start to consider the heroes of the Bible tomorrow on A New Beginning. copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Suffer Strong. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.